Welcome to the Natural Health Rising podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Smith, Certified Functional Diagnostic Nutrition Practitioner. I'm here to deliver you weekly episodes where you will hear conversations with health experts and solo episodes about functional medicine and all things holistic health. My goal is to provide you with the knowledge and tools you need in order to help you rise to your healthiest, happiest self. Welcome to today's episode with Dr. Prudence Hall, where we dive into all things women's hormones, such as how to test your sex hormones, what to do when fertility starts to decline, when are hysterectomies even necessary, and how to have an easier transition through perimenopause and menopause by using natural lifestyle changes and bioidentical hormones. Dr. Hall started as a traditional gynecological surgeon and transitioned her career to focus on regenerative and integrative medicine. As the founder of the Hall Center in Santa Monica, California, she saw a critical need to address the problems confronting women and men experiencing the stubborn and often debilitating symptoms associated with aging. Welcome to the show, Prudence. <laughs> Thank you, Rachel. Thanks so Happy much for, be. yeah, thanks so much for being on the show. Um, I want to hear a little bit of your story to start off and what inspired you to shift from being in traditional gynecological surgery and then moving into regenerative and integrative medicine. That's a good question. And it was a big shift. I trained as a traditional gynecologist, and that meant uh, that I did a lot of surgical training because we had to learn how to do hysterectomies and all the various types of surgeries that, that women need. I had very little training with menopause. And when I came out of medicine, I didn't really have much success treating menopause. And I, I was shocked. It's like I had been trained in one of the best places, you know, best uh, residencies. And I, I felt that really the tools I had been given to treat such a comprehensive, <laughs> uh, I would say, it's a shutdown of the body on multiple different systems. And I didn't know how to handle it. And right at that time, I actually, you know, around that time, there was talk about getting to the core root cause of problems. Jeff Bland was just starting his his work uh, talking about how, you know, the systems fit together and how everything is connected and how medicine is you has to be unique to each person, individualizing to each person. These are the tenets of functional medicine and how our genes come into play in terms of treatment. So it's a new type of genomics, individualized, get to the core root cause Um type of medicine. And it changed the way I looked at menopause and it changed the way I addressed all of my patients. So I've been doing functional medicine for at least 25 years. Mm -hmm. um, may, may, maybe a little bit longer than that, really right when it started. And um, it just allowed me to look much deeper at a problem. For example, we now know that heart disease is multifactorial. It comes from stress from certain types of small dense LDL particles, from lifestyle, from lack of exercise, from, from, from high sugars. And, you know, this was, this was probably one of the first field that started to look at cardiology or to look at their field functionally. So it, it changed my life and, and patients became so much happier when I started 
really addressing them as, as uh, unique individuals with unique hormones and unique body types. And, you know, I always ask, are you sensitive? How do you do with different types of like coffee, for example, because we're all, we're all very, very unique individual people. Mm-hmm. You said a word that made me think of a lot of clients that I've worked with, which is hysterectomies. What, mm. what are your, what's your opinion on hysterectomies now that you've been doing this for 25 years? Yeah. Well, I was always one of those residents who closely and carefully screened my my women patients who were mainly poor and uneducated. And I was not going to do hysterectomies that were not absolutely merited. And, um, you know, yes, it was a training institute. It was at USC. But still, I felt that the highest moral principles needed to be taken to those patients who didn't know anything about their body. So, you know, there would be residents who would have 15 hysterectomies on the lineup, and I would have three or four, because how many hysterectomies do you have to, to, to do before you understand how to do them well? So I, I still take that, uh, you know, I mean, I just go through life like that. I mean, when women have a problem, for example, with a form of very, very bad fibroids, I always try to refer patients at this point, because all I do now is hormones for the last, well, 20 years. But what I would do is, is, you know, do a myomectomy if that's what they wanted. And I, you know, there are really great advantages to removing the fibroids, leaving the uterus. Some conditions really merit a hysterectomy. And when those conditions would come up, you can't do an ablation, which is, you know, treating the inside of the uterus to stop bleeding. You can't remove anything because the whole uterus is infected. And I'm talking about benign processes. There's a process called adenomyosis. And women just bleed and bleed and bleed. Mm. And most of the time they're saying, Prudence, isn't it time to do a hysterectomy? And it's like, yeah, you can have a laparoscopic hysterectomy. It's very quick. Your cervix can be left. And um, so when it's necessary, it's necessary. Most of the time it's not. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And what about those times when it's, it's not necessary? Because I, I, I think that a lot of people, I mean, those cases, those situations Mm -hmm. you just listed, it does sound like there are these, there is always a time and place for certain things. Right. But for the larger population of women who maybe they just have like PMS problems and things that, that feel like, you know, like there are some (laughs) women out there who get hysterectomies. It's like, Whoa, why did you, why did you get that? But that is what they're taught that they, that needs to be done in order to maybe relieve pain or, or something along those lines. Um, so what do you have to approach from functional medicine, by the way, pain is a very, very psychological and physical and, uh, you know, related to diet and all kinds of things. So look, a hysterectomy would be a highly inappropriate way to treat menopause or PMS, most pain. Um, Mm. And, uh, you know, I just sit and talk. I I talk about what their goals are. And and yesterday I I was talking to a patient and she, I had sent her to see one of the oncologists, really wonderful, wonderful man in, in Los Angeles because she had an ovarian cyst and it's standard to refer certain types of ovarian cyst 
to to these oncologists to make sure it's not cancer. Well, he said, look, everything's fine. He did another ultrasound uh, three months later. It was gone. Mm -hmm. And that was the end of the story. She started going to another doctor who started, who heard about her history, who followed it, and who recommended that she have her ovaries and tubes removed. And, and I went into quite a discussion with her yesterday about saying, well, why don't you go back to Dr. Lee? <laughs> why don't you just see again what he says? Because there's no reason to move, remove your ovaries and tubes if there's no pathology, if there's, mm -hmm. if there's no suspected cancer or cancer or, right. I mean, you aren't having pain, you aren't having a problem. You, you know, why, why was she suggesting they, they be removed? So- yeah. You know, you question, you question the doctor and that's a hint. That's hint number one or suggestion number one. Don't feel that your doctor knows your body. You know your body better than your doctor does. And it's actually our responsibility to guide the doctor, to let the doctor know what are, what are our goals. And it's, it's, it's something that doctors need to listen to. And I think more and more we're listening to our, our, our women patients, our clients. They're really clients. They don't have to be patient. <laughs> they could be impatient. And, mm -hmm. you know, we're paid consultants. And if we don't listen, uh, it's really, it's, it's really quite, um, quite shocking in, in my, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure that point got across that like you said with this this person who had an ovarian cyst well as long as it wasn't cancerous and it went away i i work with people all the time where we get their ovarian cyst to go away with changing diet and lifestyle and even myself when i was younger and i was a teenager i had um terrible pms and i had an ovarian cyst that twisted and bled and burst and it was a horrible experience but once i started to change my life um, my lifestyle my diet and work with functional medicine you know, every, every period is like, you don't even know it's coming. So I, I think it's important for women to hear that you don't have to necessarily go to very extreme ends in certain, certain cases. Yeah. Lifestyle is very important. When you think about fibroids and some of these conditions, uh, inflammation can be a core root cause of these things. So an mm -hmm. anti-inflammatory diet and exercise that's smart exercise, good sleep, um, PMS, most of PMS is due to lower estrogen. And, mm. and when you change your diet and certain types of, of, of naturopathic herbs can really help to rebalance the hormones and stress causes a lot of these hormonal imbalances. So getting mm. meditative practices or some gentle kind of exercise like yoga and Pilates and things that really help to realign the body. These are all, you know, beautiful ways of of intervening with the body we don't need to come in and you know slam it like that <laughs> i have to tell you about my favorite company to order all of my pasture raised grass-fed meats from it's called u.s wellness meats and their farms are committed to sustainable humane farming practices which actually benefit our environment unlike conventional farming practices so I get a lot of people telling me that they cut out meat to be healthier, but I actually recommend the complete opposite. It's not meat in general that's unhealthy. It's the type and the quality of the meat that has the power to be inflammatory or anti-inflammatory and loaded with healthy nutrients. 
Due to modern farming practices, conventional meats have about two to three times higher levels of inflammatory omega-6 fats and two to three times lower anti-inflammatory omega-3 fats. Now, omega-6 fats are not problematic in themselves, but the ratio of omega-3s to omega-6s in conventional meats is undesirable and actually causes inflammation. So consuming pasture-raised, grass-fed meats are actually the opposite. They have a more balanced ratio of omega-3s to omega-6s, more conjugated linoleic acid, and this makes them more anti-inflammatory in nature. My favorite thing to order from this company is actually a blend where they take 75% beef and 25% organ meats. And I know it sounds crazy, but it's actually delicious. You can't taste the organ meats and you are basically taking one of nature's best vitamins because organ meats have just about every single nutrient you need to thrive. So head to the link in the show notes and go check out all of their high quality products and you can thank me later. Right. Uh, You said anti-inflammatory diet a few times. What does that look like overall usually? And does that actually change based upon if somebody is maybe in their 30s or maybe they're in their 50s or 60s and they've gone through menopause? Yeah. So I think diet is is quite individualized towards each patient, but generally it's plant-based. And what that means is there's lots of plants in there, all kinds of colors, carrots and, and beets and, and, you know, different, different types of, of uh, berries. The lowest glycemic berries, uh, berries would be things like raspberries, blueberries, strawberries. So you want low sugar plant-based. And then the protein that you can add could be beans, which have about as much protein as meat of black beans, or you can add things like grass-fed, free range, 100% uh, beef or chicken that is organic and and pasture-raised. Eggs are great. Um, you know, I buy the eggs from the the farmer's market, one of the ones that's that's really where they're running around like crazy from from Malibu. Um, and it's so it's low sugar, it's it's low animal protein, very, very, um, I would say moderate in healthy fats. And those healthy fats are olive oil, avocado oil, uh, a little bit of of coconut oil. Um and and fresh, a lot of raw, a lot of raw stuff mixed mm-hmm. with the diet is really excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, usually when people start pushing the raw, uh, I, I start adding digestive enzymes because some people don't digest their raw food very much. And I'm not saying we can't have cooked food. Of course we can. But as you cook the food, the food develops these things called advanced glycation end products, which makes it a little bit less healthy. So having a certain amount of raw things like an apple, some berries, maybe a carrot, maybe celery, maybe celery juice. My friend (laughs) uh, Anthony Williams certainly, certainly uh, with the medical medium, certainly spread that to the, the masses and by golly, women do really well with celery juice and it's raw. So uh, that kind of diet. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, now, what, if somebody is not eating this 
anti-inflammatory diet and they're not, they haven't adopted this different lifestyle yet. And let's say they're in their thirties, their forties and mm-hmm. perimenopause is starting or happening. Oh, yeah. What, what should women be looking out for? Um, changes in their body, changes in symptoms. What does that look like? So that's almost two different questions. And I, I love that. I love compound questions. So the first thing is what are the symptoms of perimenopause and what are we vigilant about? And indeed, perimenopause is starting or menopause is starting 10 years earlier than it did when I started this almost four decades ago. And I would say that you know, having more PMS is one of the first symptoms. The menstrual cycles going from 28, 29, 30 days to 25, 26, 24 days. Mm-hmm. Those are both uh, symptoms. Also feeling um, more irritable during the, the you know, during the whole month, feeling um, more tired, gaining weight. Sometimes it's only five or 10 pounds. Sometimes it's a few, you know, six or seven, but gaining some weight, feeling less optimal, maybe less confident, less sexual. So those are, you know, pretty basic, you know, hot night flat and uh, feeling hot at night. Sometimes that's a symptom that can come quite a bit later though. Missing periods can come quite a bit later, but those are sort of the beginning symptoms. So look for that. And if you feel that, and if you're consistently feeling that over two or three cycles, it's, it, it's not just something out there. It's, it's not something out there. It's something inside and you get your hormones checked. And the best time to check your hormone is around day two or three. The second time to check it would be, you know, about a week before the period. And you can really, I mean, I really think that we want to stay on top of our fertility. So some women will start to lose their fertility at 38, 39, 40. I don't want to scare your audience because I have tons of women who have babies at 43, 44, 45. But, you know, this is when fertility is a little bit less, um, you know, maybe a little bit less eager to present itself. You know, maybe it takes longer cycles or maybe there's more miscarriage. For example, when I was trying to have my third child at age 40, I miscarried twice. That would be very, very Mm. typical. I had my third baby and was very happy, but I started around 34, 35 to have my children. So we want to prioritize that. If fertility is a, um, you know, is a goal, we want to certainly stay very present with what our goals are and to try to either bank our eggs, you know, save them if we aren't in a relationship or to, you know, to really have serious discussions about when might we want to have children. Um, Now, the second thing is if these things start to happen, this is a great time to change the diet and change one's lifestyle. Sleep eight or nine hours. Now, a hint as to how to sleep is magnesium glycinate is wonderful to take at night. I take three to four capsules each night, which is about four to 500 milligrams each night. And it really induces sleep in patients, of course, uh, uh, really feel the same. I mean, it's almost universal. And the second thing is melatonin. Melatonin is an anti-inflammatory supplement and it's it's anti-inflammatory and it's an antioxidant, meaning it helps the, you know, when a nail rusts outside and becomes all kind of corroded, the body does the same thing. So it's it's an antioxidant, anti-inflammatory. I usually start my patients on five milligrams a day. Now I have this thing called sweet sleep. It's a wonderful sleep supplement. I put in GABA 
500 milligrams. I put in 500 HTP, 100 milligrams. So these are wonderful sleepers. Melatonin to start with, then add uh, GABA, 500 to 750 milligrams, then add 5-HTP and get your eight or nine hours. Six to seven hours isn't enough. It's not going to support your hormones. It's not going to support you as a vital, healthy, uh, full of life uh, person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so many questions from everything you just said. So <laughs> I want to go back to the part about checking hormones. I cannot tell you how many times I have had a client come to me and they said, yeah, they checked my hormones. I did my blood work. I said, okay, what day did you do the test on? Oh, I don't know. They didn't tell me anything about doing it on a specific day. So, you know, maybe they didn't go to a special hormone doctor or something. They just went to their general practitioner. I'm not sure where the miscommunication happened, but this happens. I've seen it a lot of times. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about like, is it always blood testing? We also have Dutch testing in functional mm -hmm. medicine. Um, what do you like to use? What's the best option? And a little bit more details on like the specifics on how women should should get that done. Right. So I just want to respond to the fact that doctors don't always know a lot about hormones. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's, uh, I mean, hormones run our body. They're our operating system. For example, they beat our heart. They create all the vast network of, of connections in our brain. They help to prevent heart disease. Why, do, why does heart disease and menopause catch up to men's, which is quite high, the number one cause of death in women? because we lose our hormones. So hormones are extremely important. And I think that every doctor should know how to measure them, when to have the hormones checked, and when to refer to somebody who actually knows, you know, maybe how to correct that if they don't know how to correct that. So once again, the, 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 the client, the woman needs to help guide the doctor. And I would say that for most people, checking the hormones on around the second day of the menstrual cycle, day one is your first day of bleeding. Day two is the best time to check the hormones. And um, I use the Dutch test and the Meridian Valley test, which is a urine test extensively. But I do that once I know what the blood is. And once I've started hormone therapy with women to see how are you breaking your hormones down? So what I do is I start with a follicle-stimulating hormone and an estradiol, and those are the two most basic tests to check. The FSH is a pituitary hormone that regulates the ovary. So when we start to go into perimenopause on day two, that follicle-stimulating hormone will be subtly high. So ideal is three to five. It might be six. It might be seven. And then the tip off is that, you know, the brain is calling and asking for a little more estrogen and the estradiol level is low. On day two, the estradiol should probably be about, I would say maybe 60, 70, maybe even 80 on day two. Mm -hmm. So what happens in the menstrual cycle is we start with a low estrogen. That would be the first day of the cycle. And we slowly rise to ovulation which depending on how long the menstrual cycle is, it's usually around day 12 to 14. That's the most fertile time for us. So that's the time to try to get pregnant. And there are ovulation predictors that'll tell you when you can get pregnant. You just buy them in the, in the, in the pharmacy. And the hormone levels at that point are 300 to 500. 
So mm-hmm. that's why I like to check it when the estrogen is low. So I can really see what the brain is doing. Is the brain calling out for estrogen? And then what I, I do is I correlate that with the symptoms that a woman is having. So if she has a slightly high FSH and it's on day two of her cycle, and let's say that she's 38, Mm -hmm. I will check then something called an anti-malarian hormone to see how much eggs she has left. Let's say her goal is to have a child at 42. And I say, well, you know, it's looking like you have a great amount of eggs. You know, why don't you try to do in the next couple of years if you can, or else bank your eggs. But, you know, you do have a good amount of of of, uh, of eggs left. So we can check that. We don't have to sit there and worry, am I going to be able to have a child or mm. not? I also, uh, when, I ch- when I check hormones, Rachel, I actually check 15 to 18 different hormones. I check the thyroid the ovary also makes testosterone, which women really can need. Testosterone gives you confidence and strength and muscle mass, and it runs our sex drive, which mm-hmm. I think is very important for women. So um, I also check the adrenals. Young women have adrenal burnout. That's due to stress just as much as older women. And I find it even more burned out or more advanced in young women. And so I always check women's adrenals. And I check three hormones when I check blood, DHEAS, dihydroepiandrostenedione sulfate, pregnenolone, and cortisol. Now, these are the hormones that give you drive and it, you know, it, it gives you muscle building and confidence and your sex drive and you know, it gives you a lot of energy. So when women come in and they're tired and depleted, I mean, I always check that on, on, uh, on all my new patients. And the thyroid, young women as well as older women have thyroid deficiencies. I have mm-hmm. one. Do you have a, do, I don't know if you have one I, or not. Uh, Hashimoto's. Yeah. That's oh, what that was. Hashimoto's, Rachel. What oh, got me started God. into all of this was I was actually um, in my late teens was terribly sick, terribly sick. And uh, I had heart palpitations, which was like, you know, that, that can be a symptom of, of this. I, you're going to freak out at this. If you haven't heard this story, they did an exploratory heart surgery on me because of the heart palpitations before ever looking at any, you know, looking at a whole thyroid panel, anything like that. And that, yeah, I went through years of seeing so many doctors. And then that was the last thing that I said, this is crazy. That was traumatic. That was horrible. I need to go look into functional medicine. And literally the first person I found who was a functional medicine practitioner was able to say, oh my gosh, you have really bad Hashimoto's. Like it's very bad, especially for your age. Yeah. And so I was super inspired by that and just changing my lifestyle and seeing everything shift that I went back to school to study this stuff as well. So yes, I have a thyroid issue. <laughs> you know, this is this is a travesty in medicine. This yeah. is, I mean, I always check the antibodies when I'm checking the thyroid. I check the TSH, mm-hmm. the free T3, thyroid three, the free thyroid four, reverse T3 to see if somehow the thyroid is being bound up and always the antibodies. Mm-hmm. Hashimoto's is an autoimmune condition, as I'm sure you know, your people know, and it can affect anyone at any age. Gluten seems to be quite an offending, uh, yeah. uh, you know, um, food. And, you know, you definitely want to go on an anti-inflammatory food and do, you know, to treat this as a standard autoimmune disease. I am so sorry that happened to you. 
I mean, look, you hand a surgeon a knife, they want to use it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, they feel like that's the solution. I'm not mm -hmm. saying that they're immoral, but I'm saying that, you know, functional medicine has given doctors so many more tools aside from the traditional tools, tools that they have. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that, that, that knife is last resort. Well, Rachel, it has given you your, your great gift in life and your purpose in life. And yes, um, exactly. you know, I just, that story is going to help so many people to mm -hmm. avoid and to, to go down the right path to find, you know, the right solutions. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I want to talk a little bit about bioidentical hormones. Cause that's, that's like your jam, right? You said you've been using those mostly and focusing on that mostly. At what point is that appropriate for a woman to start in your opinion? Okay. So I've been using bioidentical hormones for the last three and a half to, to four decades. And, um, they started using them in Germany and in France, where I was living off and on because I was married to a Frenchman, uh, and I started learning about them then. And I was actually starting even to, to study different aspects of gynecology in France at that time. So non-bioidentical hormones should not be used in any circumstance, just ever. You know, I, I was taught with Primarin, which is the pregnant horse's urine. That is not the same exact hormone that we make as women. So bioidentical just means that it's the same hormone that we're making. And it has been identified. We know the different hormones. They're made in, in manufacturing pharmaceutical companies. And then they're put into lots of different mediums. And I think that if women start to have a decrease in their estrogen, their testosterone, their thyroid, whatever, their adrenals, whatever starts to decline, then the solution aside from lifestyle and, you know, emotional work and, you know, I mean, we're not just a physical body, we're a spiritual body, we're an emotional body, we're a, you know, we're a biological set of of connections and organisms. So we want to look on all levels when we investigate things. But I use bioidentical hormones, the estrogen, to treat PMS. So when women come in and they have severe PMS, and mm. you know, I think your audience might know PMS, but it's 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 depression, rage, irritability, weight gain, extreme hunger, bloating, um, mm. menstrual cramps. Um, heavy flow where you just are just overwhelmed by, uh, you know, blood loss, which is a sign of low thyroid, by the way. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's really important. If you have profuse periods, it probably, or there's a good chance it could be a subtle thyroid problem. Then, you know, I give, I give estradiol, you know, creams that look like this or uh, the lowest patch that sometimes I have women cut in half, which is a bioidentical medium two, um, for, for three or four days before the cycle and women's lives can change. Um, postpartum depression. Uh, I I'm very vigilant for that because women can have a terrible time postpartum and just, you know, it's so easy to treat. Usually it's a thyroid abnormality. Women need emotional support and, and sometimes some trauma work around that time because childbirth really hurts and can bring up, you know, past trauma mm -hmm. and, and estrogen, and we can get rid of most postpartum depression. 
Um, I go to antidepressants, you know, at the very last resort and then refer to somebody who's a specialist in that. Mm-hmm. Most depression, I don't want to say most depression, but I would say overwhelmingly depression comes from hormones, from lifestyle, you know, which of course is diet and exercise and, and mm-hmm. stress. And uh, so I I use bioidentical hormones. I mean, that's in, that's in my toolkit along mm-hmm. with along with, uh, you know, helping women with their connection to other people and helping them to mm. manage their emotions. I, I refer to trauma healers. I have several ones that are just fantastic in terms of helping navigate some of the tremendous trauma that we as humans experience in life. You don't want to leave that uncovered. You want to kind of work right through that. Mm-hmm. I want to take a moment to tell you about a product that has truly made a difference in my own life and is a staple I use in my daily routine. Raw optics glasses. If you're like me and you spend a significant amount of time in front of screens during the day, or you struggle with getting quality sleep at night, then you'll wanna pay attention to this. Raw Optics offers a range of premium glasses designed to protect your eyes from harmful effects of artificial blue light and improve your sleep quality. If you have any blue light blocking glasses now and they are not darkly tinted yellow color for the daytime or more of a dark amber color for nighttime, trust me, they are not working. I only trust Raw Optics glasses for my blue light protection. And these glasses are not only stylish and comfortable, but they're also backed by science. I've personally been using raw optics glasses for years, both during the daytime while working on screens and at night to help improve my sleep patterns. The difference has been remarkable. Not only do these glasses help reduce eye strain and fatigue, but they've also positively impacted the quality of my sleep. What's even better is that as a listener of the Natural Health Rising podcast, you're entitled to an exclusive 15% discount on any raw optics glasses. All you have to do is use the discount code NATURALHEALTHRISING, which is all one word, during checkout on their website, which is rawoptics.com, R-A-O-P-T-I-C-S.com. Invest in your eye health and sleep quality today by visiting rawoptics.com and don't forget to use the discount code NATURALHEALTHRISING to save 15% on your purchase. Yeah, can you talk a little bit more about that emotional piece? Because I I think with there are emotional things that come up in perimenopause and as your body's changing in menopause, um, as you, as you mentioned with childbirth, like there are these big things that are happening in our lives and, and that can create, um, some emotional turmoil as well. So what mm-hmm. advice do you have for women to help maintain their em- emotional and mental well being during those times? Oh, that is, that is such a good question. And there are many tools to approach this. The first thing is to try to understand what is the cause and when women say, I just don't know, <laughs> you know, I have no idea why I'm crying and, and despondent and wanting to break up with my boyfriend or mm-hmm. my husband, put him out with the trash, you know, for the, the week before my period. Okay, that's going to be hormonal. And when I check that, it's hormonal. It's mm-hmm. generally hormonal and can, can be corrected with a hormonal situation. But 
a lot of life, you know, we're emotional beings, we're spiritual beings, we're energetic beings, and not to address the connection we have to ourselves and to our community and not to address, are we receiving love and giving love? Are we, are, are we lonely? Are we mm -hmm. isolated? And this happens, oh, it was just to the nth degree during COVID. You know, women, I was, I was, oh my God, I was working 10 hours a day during COVID because women were despondent and breaking up with the, the, their partner of many, many years or walking out of the house. And it was, it was very scary. So trauma work, if we can identify some trauma really helps. Mm -hmm. And you've had the trauma with the surgery and all of that. My God, that's really, that's quite extensive trauma, but also one out of three women are abused somehow sexually. So going into that to see if that kind of abuse has taken place, that can be healed. Um, and, and so trauma work, uh, I would say acknowledging what's happening, acknowledging our emotions. So when I ask women how they're doing, they feel pretty free to say, it's been really a tough three months and I'm feeling uh, despondent. And so then we go and we have a number of tools. There's meditation. There's, you know, of course, when they're despondent like that, I, I'm always rebalancing their hormones too to see if something is just a little bit subtly off. Um, and um, I would say this is the time for loving understanding. Hormones are the molecules of emotions. Mm -hmm. I mean, when your hormones are low, you're going to feel angry, irritable, sad. You're going to have, you're going to not feel yourself. You're going to feel disconnected. I think purpose work is good. Not, not to drive you crazy saying, am I living my purpose or not? But to just really, as Joseph Campbell said, follow your bliss. He's a wonderful, if, if your readers or your listeners don't know him yet, Joseph Campbell has done some great stuff. He has a Netflix, I think a six series uh, um, kind of really <laughs> beautiful piece of, of work about your life purpose and, and, a hero's journey. And so I've done a lot of that kind of work and I help my, my patients to do it too, because, you know, once, once menopause is kind of completely reversed and women say, well, now what am I going to do? I have another, another 40 years of my life. And it's like, women can get very depressed when mm. not because of hormones, but because they don't know how to live their life in a way that's going to bring them joy and bliss. So it's a conversation and there are lots of people who really know how to help women with this. I, I love going to retreats. I love my, my clients to be lifelong learners. I resource them all the time to people that I love or people that they might love, good books, mm -hmm. <laughs> good people to help them. I, I, I see a, a Jungian analyst once a week. He's my mystic. He's mm -hmm. a mystic and, and I run things by him and, and he's, he's like a North Star for me. Mm -hmm. And I've already done, I did two years of trauma work, so there's nothing like that. But I like women to have resources where they really love the person they're working with mm -hmm. and they trust them and they can accept guidance because, you know, we're pretty stubborn as women. We should be. But, you know, really <laughs> when you find somebody who's a good therapist or a good um, trauma healer or really even a good friend where you explore what's my life purpose and how am I going to go forward? little by little to create a new life for myself. Mm -hmm. 
menopause is like the phoenix you know so we're left in ashes many times but then what comes out of it is yummy and exciting and uh, full of life <laughs> i i love all of that and i totally agree i'm very similar doing retreats and reading books and therapists all the things all the tools i love it <laughs> um I think it's super valuable for any kind of health issues as well as as hormonal imbalances. So I want to get to the after menopause piece eventually, but as mm-hmm. women are going through menopause, are there are there some other things outside of like diet, um, lifestyle changes? Are there any herbs that you recommend that people use? Are there other holistic approaches when it comes to managing those those menopausal symptoms? Yes. Um, my daughter is a naturopathic uh, doctor. She's in my practice and, um, she actually has taught me a lot about herbs over the years. Um, and Vitanica is a brand that she likes very much. And I've grown to like, and pregnancy prep is great to use when women have abnormal cycles. Let's say they're in their late thirties and their cycles are becoming shorter. Pregnancy prep is great for that. Mm-hmm. Um, there is shatavari, which is an Indian herb that is is very helpful for for energy and rebalancing hormones. Mm-hmm. Um, Remy Femin is the classic herb that helps. That's the brand name, but it really does help to decrease hot flashes. Um, when you go online and look at Amazon, I think there's a product called Hot Flash. There's a product, I mean, Remy Femin. These are products that have a variety of herbs in them that can help with, with hot flashes. And the melatonin and the magnesium and, and GABA and 5-HGP definitely can help women to sleep because sleeplessness is a uh, major symptom of menopause. So it depends on what women's desires are how I mm. approach them. So some women say, I'm natural. I would never take hormones. Now mm-hmm. I have discussion. It's like, well, gee, your hormones are natural. I mean, there's nothing. I mean, <laughs> you want your hair to grow and your skin to be dewy and beautiful and youthful. So, you know, that's the job <laughs> of hormones, plus beating your heart and <laughs> maintaining every body system you have. <laughs> so, you know, I would say that the discussion that I have is women say, well, why not do it naturally? You know, the body's meant to to go through menopause. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, it is. But once you go into menopause, you stay in menopause for the next 30 to 50 years, just like this, like you're feeling. Is mm-hmm. that what you want to do? Mm-hmm. Because if you don't address menopause, the next 30 to 50 years of your life will be very, very different than if you do address menopause. And, you know, we have a lot of knowledge as to how to age well. And mm-hmm. treating menopause in a, I would say, a holistic manner, in a natural manner, by replacing the hormones that are missing with exactly the same hormones, I would say that's pretty natural in terms of addressing it. So it's like, yeah, you know, let's say you're having a heart attack and they say, well, we can take you to the cath lab. We're going to rush you up there. They're, you know, door to needle time. You know, you want it to be very, very quick, a few minutes. So they're rushing you and you say, wait, I want to do this naturally. And it's like, okay, change your diet, change your exercise. Let's start getting sleep. Let's, Uh okay, can we go on to the cath lab first? (laughs) (laughs) So we know so much about aging well, about staying healthy, about preventing diseases and decline. And hormones Mm -hmm. are just one of those, one of the tools that are in the toolbox for that. Mm -hmm. And it's an important tool. So um, 
Did I, did I answer your question? I probably went on a tangent here. <laughs> no, that was great. That was great. I love the analogy of the cath lab. Um, <laughs> so you keep talking about the, the, the Phoenix, right? So after menopause, what are women expecting their life to be like? So if you just allow your body to age uh, as it as it does without any kind of intervention, there's no end of menopause. So I'm just saying that again, because women tell me all the time, oh, I'm 60, I'm through that. It's like, I'm looking at your hormones and you're in the middle of menopause. Everything is declining, it's completely declined and you're developing heart disease, diabetes, and it sounds like your brain is really struggling because estrogen is so important for the the, the female brain. Mm -hmm. um, so let's just say though, that someone comes to me at 48 and I'm able to, you know, rebalance their hormones. And that would mean giving them a variety of natural hormones. And the symptoms disappear. And the aging is reversed. So hormones turn back the clock of aging. So let's say that their sugar is very high. And Rachel, mm -hmm. I measure the hemoglobin A1C. So a lot of my perimenopause and menopausal patients are pre-diabetic or di diabetic. So when that's been reversed by hormones and lifestyle and their cholesterol is back to a healthy level without using Lipitor, which I think is a rather dangerous uh, intervention for high cholesterol and without, you know, pharmaceuticals using natural uh, bioidentical hormones and lifestyle, then the phoenix starts to rise mm -hmm. because at that point we feel grounded and happy. We have the energy to actually live a different kind of life than we were living before. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I have women who decided that they're going to write a book and the book became bestsellers and they helped so many people. And from there, they started becoming a teacher of, you know, kind of helping other people with the, the problems that they went through. I have women who became mountain climbers and who climbed seven peaks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> some opened, one opened in orphanages, several started homeschools and started uh, schools for children in countries where girls are not educated. And this came out of actually having a second phase of their life. If you stay in menopause, so many women, Rachel, are just depleted and they're exhausted and they're, they're depressed and, you know, they end up on antidepressants and then a hypertensive medication and then Lipitor, which kills your mitochondria and actually is very damaging to the body. And, and so they, they're handling it with a pharmaceutical solution Mm -hmm. It's very different, though, if you handle it with a natural, <laughs> integrative medicine kind of solution, because then you you have this new self, and then you start to get to know yourself. You really go on the journey of self-knowledge. Who am I? What makes me happy? Mm -hmm. And just one thing I would say with all of these years of working, being in service, helping others it is really the foundation for creating personal joy. You know, it is so, look what you're doing. Isn't it rewarding? Isn't it wonderful? <laughs> yeah, I love it. It keeps me going every single day. Yeah. yeah, and it could be on one to one, just where somebody reaches out to you, you stop your day and you really give them, or or you find a time that you can really give them your your undivided attention. Even that, I mean, it changes people's lives. 
it reconnects them to who they are. So we all have our gifts. Some people paint their creations for other people and give back that way in a very creative way. Other people join organizations that are, I mean, I have, I have two, two women that are my, my clients who are helping to really impact the child sex trade, which is mm. alive and thriving all over the world, less so in the United States, but all over the world, terrible stuff. And, you know, this is, this is a very strong purpose for them. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it usually comes from within that mm -hmm. desire to give back, to help other people, because we've been helped becoming a mentor to other people. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, life is, is just full of wonderful things to explore and learn. Mm -hmm. And it could be just starting to, I mean, Joe Dispenza, <laughs> I've been to his retreats. I, I love the man, you know, mm -hmm. check him out, Joe Dispenza. I mean, you can create your life and bring, <laughs> I have a patient who 40 years old and she didn't have a mate and she kept on wanting a mate. Well, when was the last time you dated? 10 years ago. She went to Joe Dispenza, his week-long program, and she came out. She was at Trader Joe's. She saw a man across the, the, the aisle that looked like it might be her man. She went up to him. They're married. They're happy. <laughs> Joe Dispenza. So creating your life from a place of, um, you know, kind of a spiritual awareness and knowing Mm -hmm. knowing who you are, knowing what you want to create. And that takes a bit of work there, Rachel. It takes a bit of work to be able to unravel that. Mm -hmm. It does. Um, when, when women take bioidentical hormones, does this alleviate the risk of osteoporosis? Number one treatment. It's the, it's the best gold standard treatment for osteoporosis. And I don't use these other kinds of medication, Fosamax. They make weaker bones. They, you know, it kind of is annoying when we have such a great treatment that is a natural replacement of a hormone that we're missing. Why would we go and use a pharmaceutical? I mean, why would we go and do that and create less, you know, dentists are saying they can't do implants with when people replace bone with these other agents. So yes, number one, I mean, I'm actually allowed with the gynecological board to say there are only two reasons why women should be on bioidentical hormones. Number one, to replace bones. Oh, what are those balloons? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I went like that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> To replace bones, <laughs> that that's I'm allowed to say that, and I'm also allowed to say it alleviates symptoms. Well, I say a lot more than that. You know, it helps to to prevent heart disease and to lower your small dense LDL particles and to prevent mm -hmm. dementia. Dale Bredesen's work, a, a genius in the field. You know, the end of Alzheimer's disease. That's one of his books, mm -hmm. and it it decreases inflammation and it helps to prevent diabetes and all the all the autoimmune diseases. And <laughs> don't get me going, but yes. It's what you said is, is true. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Old standard for bone, bone growth. And women rebuild their bones all the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had a patient three days ago who said, yeah, you know, I regained my full bone function. Right. Well, she's doing some weights and exercise. She's on estrogen. And within two years, her bones are now completely normal. Standard. I see this all the Amazing. time. Amazing. Amazing. Mm -hmm. I, I know. This... It's wonderful. <laughs> Rachel. <laughs> Uh, I think this is a good place to wrap up. I want to do a quick, very quick speed round. Just a few questions. First thing that comes to your mind when I ask. Mm. Okay. 
What is one of your favorite or most impactful books that you've read? Autobiography of a Yogi by Yogananda. Okay. What do you enjoy doing daily or weekly for stress management? I sleep nine hours every night. What's one supplement you... I exercise. (laughs) (laughs) What's uh, one supplement you couldn't live without? Not counting the hormones because I'm on all the hormones. I'm 73 years old. I'm on all the hormones. So uh, not counting the hormones. Not counting the hormones. (laughs) Wow. NAC is an important hormone, but I'm not, I cannot say that that's my, fa- I'm not a hormone, a supplement. I cannot say that that's my favorite supplement. Um, mm-hmm. You know, more and more people are talking about niacin. I've used niacin for years as a way to help build NAD, which is very important. Um, so I I just, I can't do without probably eight, eight, eight supplements every morning. Sorry, mm-hmm. that's not a fast answer. <laughs> no, that's Okay. So it sounds like NAD is, or uh, niacin is in there and NAC. Yeah, niacin, it's niacin's in there, um, mm-hmm. uh, NAC. I'm on NMN. I, I'm on a mm-hmm. lot of different supplements, uh, vitamin C. I mean, magnesium, magnesium. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm going to say magnesium is my favorite supplement. <laughs> Malate in the morning, glycinate at night. That's my number one favorite. Perfect. And mel- melatonin. <laughs> magnesium. Okay. And if you could leave the listeners with one tip for them to implement this week to help them live a healthier, happier life, what would that be? Okay. 60% of the time blood work will diagnose a thyroid problem. 40% of the time it doesn't. So I would say optimizing your thyroid at any age is one of the best, most important things you can do. And to do that, iodine, you can get Crow's Lugol online. It's drops, three drops, two drops, four drops, very important. Selenium, 200 micrograms. Now that's that's four Brazil nuts, three or four Brazil nuts. So you do some drops of iodine, you do four Brazil nuts. It's gonna, even if your thyroid is just very subtly low, which it frequently is, and it's never diagnosed. This is going to make you feel happy and energetic. And uh, when I balance people's thyroids, I get them off of their antidepressant all the time. So iodine and and selenium are very, very important in terms of thyroid health, which is so often undiagnosed. Mm, I love that. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Do you want to share where people can find you and learn more, maybe work with you as well? Great, Rachel. I'd love to. So my website is Dr. Prudence Hall, P-R-U-D-E-N-C-E Hall. And I have a free book for you. Um, if you put your email into the website and there are you know, various places where you can do that, then the book downloads to your email. And I wrote a book mm. called Radiant Again and Forever. It's free. Um, and it talks all about all, Suzanne Summers told me to write it. I love Suzanne. She's mm-hmm. such a, she put me into so many of her books and is such a, has been such a beautiful, um, you know, I would say living example of a radiant person. Um, so her passage was really extremely sad for me and for so many people. But 
I would say that Radiant again, and she said, Prudence, write a different chapter on each hormone. And, and so my first chapter is menopause. And it's a real patient that I helped with menopause. And at the end, I list everything that I did for her. And then there's PMS, and then there's low thyroid, and then there's adrenal burnout. Then there's a lot of stuff about sexuality, a lot of stuff about hormones and breast health. Mm. And one of the wonderful books that's just a tip for your 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 readers or your I keep saying readers I love to read your listeners and my listeners is Estrogen Matters by Abram Blooming because so many women are afraid it's going to cause cancer it's like it doesn't cause cancer so that's a wonderful book for them to read mm. um, but my book's free and I'm here to educate and here to be in service to my my clients I. I'm starting uh, women's groups where I have 15 women online where I can rebalance their hormones, talk to them every week, educate them. And, uh, you know, that might be a possibility for some of your listeners. Um, but I really have enjoyed this, Rachel. Thank you so I much. Really, me too. You're just really wonderful what you're doing. Just wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you as well. It was, it was amazing having you on. Thank you for tuning in to the Natural Health Rising podcast. I hope you found this episode informative and left you feeling empowered to take control of your health naturally. As a reminder, the information provided in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure any illness or medical condition. Please consult with a qualified healthcare professional before making any changes to your diet, exercise routine, supplements, or medical treatment. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Comments and ratings help the show reach more people so that they too can level up their health and entire life holistically. I really appreciate your support and feedback. Before I go, I want to remind you that I work with clients virtually all over the world. So if you are searching for a functional medicine provider to help you uncover the root cause of your health issues and have support and guidance in healing your body through nutrition and lifestyle changes, then you can book a free health consultation with me by using the link in the show notes and we can talk about working together. Thanks for listening and keep striving to become your healthiest, happiest self.